Welcome to the Diligent Woman Podcast, where Christian women let go of their guilt and step out in confidence by bringing God into every part of the day, learning by examples in scripture, applying simple principles, and trusting the Lord with it all. I am Angela Legg of thediligentwoman.com, and I welcome you to grow in grace and truth one step at a time. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I just wanted to spend a few minutes with you today. I hope that wherever you are, that you are able to look around you and see God's hand in the creation and see that as something that can be encouraging and comforting to you, even while the world seems to spin on in craziness. (laughs) And one of the things I wanted to share today Um, was using God's word as a means to find our comfort and to use what we know about God as the way for us to find comfort when times are hard. Going through times of trouble and leaning on God for that and different ways that that can look, the different circumstances and maybe the perspective that we need to have um, about that. So let's just dive right in. I was going to look at a couple of scriptures here just to give some examples. Bible is full of God showing us that he understands what humankind is going through. He understands what makes our hearts hurt. He understands what worries our mind. All of these things he understands. The entire book of Hebrews is about showing how Jesus is best because (laughs) he is the best sacrifice and he is the best high priest because he understands us and because of what he's done for us. God is aware of us. Scripture from Genesis through Revelation is proof that God cares about who we are and what we are going through in this life as we walk to get to the next life, right? So let's use God's word as that place for us to find the words that to comfort us whenever times are hard and even in those situations when it just seems hardest to find that um i want to start over in second samuel chapter 12 this is a difficult circumstance um situation that was created by david's own sin he created this situation by having taken Bathsheba, who was the wife of Uriah, and he took her as his own and committed adultery with her. And through that behavior, they created a child. And Bathsheba holds him accountable for that, lets him know what has happened, and um, that becomes an issue. So he ends up killing Uriah to try to hide his sin and the consequences of that sin. And in chapter 12, we have Nathan has come and he has told this story to David and David sees the um, lack of justice in the story, sees how this one man who had everything had no right to go take this precious thing from someone else and take it as as his own, that it was the height of um, immoral for him to do that. And Nathan points out that this is exactly what David had done by taking Uriah's wife. And then further down in chapter 12 of 2 Samuel, in verse 18, we have the instance because God tells him that this child um, that was born to them is going to die. 
he cannot live. Um, he becomes sick, and we know if we follow the timeline out that um, this this is the first child between David and Bathsheba, but by the time this happens, there's other children because Solomon is going to be the um, gift that comes after, and that's going to be the son who becomes king, but he is actually Bathsheba's fourth son with David. So in the time where David's living with this sin and has yet to repent, they have two other children besides this first one. So they have three total. Um, but this oldest one, he's still a young child, but he's not a baby anymore, but he, he can't be allowed to live. And David is dealing with that. And we start in verse 18 and we read, um, then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not hear our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house. And when he requested, and when, when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. In this context, what we can see is David shows so much faith and leaning on the Lord on both sides of this event. While the child is dying, even though he understands why the child is dying, he is still praying to God. He is still fasting. He is crying. He is laying it all out for the Lord. And he doesn't do it expecting that God will give him what he wants, but he allows that God might give him back his child. Even though God has said the child might die, he still is going to pray, asking for what he wants, that he would like the child to live. All the while understanding that God's in control. God gets to choose one way or the other. And he prays in this way, fasting and weeping while the child is ill. And he's so distraught. This is why the servants won't talk to him. Because he was so distraught while the child was ill that they thought there was no hope now that the child was gone. But now David shows even more faith now that the child is gone. Because he is able to understand things have shifted. He can't, he can't change anything now. And so he again, puts his faith in God. And what he trusts is, is the child has gone. But David says in verse 23, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. He knows that the next time he sees that child, it will be after David has lost his life, but he gets to go to where that child is. He is going the way that child did. They're going to the same place. He shows some confidence in that. And so there's nothing left to cry over. He can't change it. God has made his decision. God answered David's prayer. 
and David accepts God's answer. And he shows us that he finds comfort on both sides in what God decides to do. And it's really very powerful. Um, and then as you go on and read in the next uh, next short section, that now David comforts Bathsheba. Incidentally, it's the first time that God refers to her as Bathsheba before he calls her Uriah's wife. Um, in the other instances between them, between the sin and now. Now she's Bathsheba and David goes and comforts his wife not Uriah's wife anymore, his wife. And Solomon is the son who comes from this time of comfort between the husband and the wife. And this also is what tells us, if you go look at the other genealogies and see the sons that David had, Solomon was not child number two. He was further down the list. And with Bathsheba, he is the fourth child um, that is born. So we know some time has gone by since all that initial sin after he killed Uriah after that child was born, before David was made aware of his sin, before he woke up and repented of that. But now comfort has come in, and David feels comfort enough that he can comfort his wife. And now we move forward. We move forward in the story. We move forward, and things are better. Um, and we see David relying on that. And that's really one of the blessings, if you look in the Psalms, this is the, what David really gives us, is this faith that allows him to know without question that God is working on his behalf, even when times are hard. If you're going through hard times, just pick up the Psalms and start reading. If the first one doesn't touch on your circumstances, move on to the next one. And again, if that one doesn't touch, keep going, because you will find one that touches on how you're feeling, the circumstances you're going through, whether it is someone who is your enemy, who is working against you, someone who you thought was your friend, who now has turned their back on you, um, whether you feel completely outnumbered and all alone, and where you thought that you, know, that you had people that you could count on and now they're not there, or you're separated from all those people and you're trying to dysfunction. David talks about all those things, all of them. And he's always, he's very clear that he's like, please take care of my enemies. He prays for God to take care of his enemies, um, but he prays for God to take care of him. And he's always confident that God will answer. He doesn't try to dictate what God will do. It's as you will. If this is what needs to be done, I would like to see that done. And it's a good place for you to go if you're, if you're struggling, but it's not the only place in scripture. Um, one Psalm in particular that I wanted to look at though, for a different perspective, this one with David, with his son shows us God understands that we're going to go through a grieving process. Lo losing our child is hard. It's not lost on God that that is painful and gut wrenching for us, that there is a lot of emotion at play in that. And we see emotion at play with Job after he loses his children. All of that time mourning and being in pain and all of this stuff that goes on after he's lost his children, God's aware of all of it. He knows what's going on with you. But if you trust in him, he will get you through it and you will come out on the other side holding on to him and it will be fine. It won't be the same. But life will move on in a way that would be beneficial and will be good for you and you can benefit others and, and things can continue. We don't have to just give all things up 
because we've had a loss. And obviously God understands also the loss of a child because he gave his up for us. Chose to send his son. And that son went through death for us. He understands. And so he gives us all these scriptures to understand, and that should bring us comfort. It may not change the circumstances. This life is not meant to be all rosy and we get what we want. If we got everything we wanted in this life, why would we need heaven? Heaven is better. We just have to go through these things, but if we'll go through it with the Lord, we will find that comfort. We just have to trust the comfort that he gives. And over in Psalm 119, this psalm is all about God's word and the power of God's word and what it can do in your life. It uses every possible word associated with how words interact between God and man. Every type of contract, um, covenant, law, all of those words are used. Each one is a slight variation on that relationship between God's word and our lives. And he covers them all and shows how his word is there for our benefit. And over in verses 49 through 56, David gives some very specific use um, of how the word brings comfort to him. This is Psalm 119 verses 49 through 56. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. The proud have me in great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. I remembered your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Indignation has taken hold of me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I kept your precepts. He talks about how in these in these times of trouble, because he has trusted in God's word and he understands that God's word has given him life, he can lean on God's word when times are hard. And it continues to comfort him. And he's allowed to, he's able to comfort himself with God's word. He's able to, in that moment, remember what God's word has told him and it brings him comfort. But he also has all of this where he has the recognition with God. He goes through, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. When he's up at night and he's stressing, he remembers God's name and he keeps the law. He doesn't fail to keep God's word and it strengthens him. So he looks to God's word for that protection. And my friend, that's where we need to be looking. This is why I believe scripture writing and seeing God as the number one expert in your life is where it's at. This is where you find what you need. The world is just going to hand you a bunch of empty stuff that won't work. It may work for a short time, but you're going to soon be tired again. You're going to go, this isn't working in this season. God's word works in every season because it adapts with you. His word understands the different seasons and he shows you what that looks like. But his word is always perfect for what you're going through. Every time you dive into it, you're going to find what you need. We need to train ourselves to go to his word first. Trust his word with this. Trust that the God who created the whole world 
who bothered to put these words into the hands and minds of men to put them onto paper and to preserve them. Trust him that he's going to give you what you need. And then act like you trust him. This is what David shows us is acting like we trust God. Over again in Psalm 119 verses 73 through 80. Here he, it's a different look at the law being a part of his comfort because he tells a little bit more about where where David is looking, um, the perspective that he has. In verse 73, he says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to your word, to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, those who know your testimonies. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. So he's got these circumstances, and what he reminds himself is, is God created me. God has had things in charge from the beginning, and God put everything here so that I could be here. God had that hand in that. He spoke these things into being. He knows us from before the womb. He wants other people who fear God to see David and be joyful because they can see him being obedient to the word because he hoped in the word. This is what brethren are supposed to do for one another. You should see each other leaning on God's word and it gives you hope because they are. They have hope. It shares hope with you. But he also tells God that I understand that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. God is faithful to help us even when times are tough. This world is full of tough stuff, but God is faithful. And it's not that God has withdrawn his faithfulness. It's that he's giving us his faithfulness to hold on to through the tough stuff. God's faithfulness does not promise a smooth sailing little ship going all the way across. No bumps no trouble. He promises the opposite. Living in a world full of sin is rough for someone who's trying to live righteously because the two things don't go together. But his faithfulness is always there for us to hold on to. And David shows us this and he asks that God's tender mercies come that he might live because the law is his delight. Because I love your law, Please show your tender mercies on me that I might live and be able to move on to the next thing. Let the proud be ashamed for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood. People have lied about David. And he says, but I'm not going to worry about that. I'm not going to get eaten up with that. I'm going to meditate on your precepts. What if every time someone did you wrong with the words that they say? You instead thought about the words that God's given you, the things that he has said for you. Which words actually speak power? God's words do. The hurtful things that people say, 
they can hurt you for a time, but they don't have any power in them if you acknowledge God's power in his word. There's comfort in that. It's this blanket that you can wrap around yourself even while darts are being thrown at you. This is what Satan's throwing. Hurtful things. But they just don't hurt as much because you've got God with you to get you through. Doesn't mean it's not going to sting. But you're not alone. And David puts all of the value on that in God's word. He knows God's word. He knows what God has promised. He knows what God has said is coming in David's case. He knows there's a Messiah coming. There's a reason for all of this. He knows whose throne he sits on. And on the other side of the cross where we are now, we've seen that fulfilled. We should be even more comforted. David saw it looking forward. That's what Hebrews 11 teaches us. We get to look back and see how God has done this for us. To learn from David, look at these scriptures and take the comfort that God's word has to offer you. If the scripture you pick up and read today doesn't seem to meet your need, keep reading. Move on to the next chapter. Move on to the next book. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. I think he went through some struggles and he had some upset times. He was sorrowful over what the people were doing and what they're going through. And he expresses that sorrow. God has an answer. Go read it. Go read what Jeremiah was able to express. Learn how to express that yourself. And then read what God says to fix that. Every one of the prophets has this. Has where they have a problem that they're trying to deal with and God gives them the answer. Even the book of Jonah. Jonah didn't recognize and get comforted by God's word because he was too stubborn. But Nineveh did. They heard God's word and they responded. And they took comfort and grabbed a hold of the salvation that was being offered to them. Jonah was just too stubborn to see the good in it. But Nineveh was wise in that moment. They saw the reprieve that had been handed to them. It's through God's word. Just because Jonah missed it doesn't mean that we have to miss the message. Nineveh got the message. So we just need to keep reading. Okay, I've got one more scripture for you this this day to look at. And as always, I'm going to have uh, below the podcast some links uh, to several different study helps that can work you through this. A couple of scripture writing plans that are on comfort specifically. Um, if you want some scriptures that are kind of designed, there are scriptures that talk about God giving comfort or comfort being found um, in his words. So sometimes the contexts are all very different because God offers comfort in a lot of circumstances. So I want you to um, know those are there. Those are free to use. And then I'll have some other, um, just other links to other things that might help you um, to get through that. As always, the scripture writing process, it's cathartic in its own way. But even if you are not in a place where you can write, the reading of those scriptures and thinking about them or listening to them, have them read to you on an app, can help you because it gives you something to think about. And then the next time you're able to write, write them out. Each thing is a different layer. Hearing it, reading it in your own mind, saying it out loud, writing it down. All of these things give you a different layer of how those words are going to imprint on your heart. So use it this way. Copy them. 
make your own copy and carry it with you, just like the king of old did. But over in Isaiah chapter 51, I mean, verses 12 through 16, again, this is all in the middle of um, prophecies of things to come and how, you know, how God's going to be dealing with the nations and with Israel. But in this context, God expresses he is comfort. People are going to be sorrowful and they, he's telling them you are going in verse 11. You will obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sign shall flee away. There's a time for sorrow. There's a time for the sign, but joy is coming. In verse 12, he says, why? This is how, this is how your joy is coming. He says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of a man who will be made like grass? And you forget the Lord, your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he has prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hastens that he may be loosed that he should not die in the pit and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord, your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. God tells them, even though, understand, God sent them into exile because of their sin. This is their punishment for their behavior. So God is party to this. They chose that they were going to sin and they understood that there were repercussions from that and God fulfilled. He was faithful to his promise that um, cursings will come if you go against me. And God kept that. But even in this, their distress being in those circumstances, he tells them, you're forgetting who I am. If you would just remember who I am, you wouldn't be in this place. But he tells them, who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die? Any man on this planet who threatens you is going to die just like you. He has no more power of the life to come than you do without God. You have God. Why should you be afraid of what men do to you? God is the only one to fear. He's the only one to have that awe and respect for. All other men are just going to turn into grass. That's it. They're going to die. Their power is limited. It is for a time and it is not bigger than God. He says, you forget the Lord, your maker. In verse 13. He talks about stretching out the heavens, laying the foundations of the earth. And he says, but you have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. My friends, we're living in a time right now that is driven by fear. Satan has seen our fear and he is using it against us. It's nothing new. It's just up to the ante right now. He's really putting on the pressure. And just when we think there's relief from men, they come on with something else to make us fearful. God says, stop it. They're just men. Okay? Men are preparing to destroy. 
but where is their fury? It's only going to, it's going to be gone. It's nothing compared to God and what God has done, what God has created, what God has made possible. The captive exile in verse 14, he hastens, he wants to get away. He doesn't want to die in the pit. He doesn't want to go hungry. All totally understandable. But that's worrying about the here and now more so than seeing that big picture. Find comfort in the big picture, God says. This may be rough right now. And yes, frankly, it may end your life. But with God, this is not the end. He created the heavens for a reason. This life is not the end. And we need to remember our maker. And in verse 16, he tells you how he makes you confident about that. I put my words in your mouth. Comes all back to God's word. He's protected you so that he could plant the heavens and lay the foundations and tell Zion, you are my people. He says this to Israel, but we know by going to the New Testament that the priesthood that was Israel is now the church. We are God's people and all of these things, just read Ephesians 1 and 2. God had a plan from the beginning that was set into motion that includes us. He made a way for us. He made it so that we would have access to him and to eternal life with him. Through his son, that plan was set in motion before he ever created a thing. He had you in mind. He set all of these things and we should find comfort in that and not let the big bad wolf of whoever it is who's trying to knock on our door and scare us right now, whatever the reason is, money, finances, health, you name it, whatever's driving your fear, tell it to be quiet because God is here. Your God is your maker and he is bigger. The fear that they can give you is nothing compared to the great magnitude of what God can do for you. And God lays this out in very potent words in the book of Isaiah. So dive into these contexts. Dive into God's word. He tells you his word is here to comfort you. <laughs> so stop looking elsewhere for that comfort. Trust that if you keep looking, you will find it. What's the promise that Jesus made in the Sermon on the Mount? Over in Matthew 7, verse 7, he tells them, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. There is something you have to do. You have to ask. You have to be looking. And you cannot ask and you cannot look without knowing what it is you're trying to find. You've got to know what the value is of the, the pearl that's buried in the, in the field. You've got to recognize what that beautiful thing is when you see it so that you know how to hold on to it. 
God's not handing out salvation to everybody whether they want it or not. He's given it to those who ask. Those who want it. This is something he tells us he wants us to reach for. Acts 17, Paul's story on Mars Hill where he explains to them the unknown God. The God that they're not really worshiping, but they should be. The one God. He says, God is hoping that we will grope for him. He's just waiting that we will grope for him and he is not far away. He's right there and he's waiting to comfort you with his word and the promises that he has made and he has been faithful. Don't judge him as unfaithful because it didn't work out the way you thought it should. You're man, you're finite, you don't understand everything. But trust that God's plan is always better. So if you can't see how what happened to you fits into his plan, go read his plan some more. Learn more about the plan and trust him with whatever's going on in your life. The comfort is there to be had. And when it's hard to grab onto it and the days get foggy and cloudy and depressed and it's just too much, Guess what? There's people in scripture who went through that too. People who begged God to just let them die because they were done. They didn't see how they could do any good because they didn't see that they'd had any impact. They thought they had failed and there was no reason to go on. And God said, get up. You don't know it, but there are thousands who are doing what I've told them to do. Just because you don't know it doesn't mean it's not out there. Trust. God more and the comfort will come. So I want to encourage you in that. Dig into his word. And if you're having a hard time finding that comfort, you're welcome to set out and send me an email, Angela at the diligentwoman.com. Send it to me and I will pray for you. Send me your struggle, whatever it is that you are struggling with what you're having a hard time finding comfort and we can search the scriptures together to find something that will help you you're not alone god gave you brethren in the church others who can help you to lean on it's why the church exists because god knew we needed to be with others same reason adam it wasn't good for him to be alone can we get to heaven on our own just with the scriptures and walking this life if nobody else obeys it? Yes. But God designed it where you should have people to back you up. And it's what the church is for. And as the prophets learned, there's going to be someone. You're never completely alone. You always have God. And you might find other people who are like-minded as well, but you have to go looking. You have to ask God to show them to you. You've got to trust God. And the comfort is there. So I'm going to leave that with you today. I hope that this is something that will help you to dig into God's word. Take a different perspective. Look at the scriptures and, and read it from how can I be comforted in the situation I'm in from what I'm reading? How do I read this and get comfort out of it? If nothing else, Psalm chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, knowing that God's word is gives life to things. There should be comfort in that for you to keep going in his word. 
That's the beginning step. Of, okay, I can trust his word. I'm going to go looking for something that speaks to my loss. Psalm 23 is used often for dealing with loss or fear of death or death in around you or even fear of your own and God getting you through. It's not the only psalm that does that. Dive in and read it, trusting that God is faithful and he is offering you comfort and take it as comfort. There's so many scriptures, even scriptures that talk about when God has reprimanded you, that there's comfort in that because God loves those that he chastens. God is showing he cares because he wants to correct you so that you will be right with him and you will be walking alongside him. That's comfort. That's love. See it as such. So dive in. As always, my prayer for you is that you will have abundance in all things, but especially abundance in spiritual things, that those things in this life, that it's in direct correlation to how your spirit grows. So enjoy the study. Check out the links below the podcast. Sure and share today's podcast if you know somebody who's in need of comfort and they need to understand how they can go to God's word for that comfort. Please share this with them. Offer them the word of God to bring them some comfort and help them to find that. Open up your Bible and read it with them. Both of you can learn along the way. It's something you can do together. He's given you the word, told you you can understand it. So go out and enjoy it. Thanks for joining me today on the Diligent Woman Podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of new episodes and share those with your friends. Until next time, enjoy.